Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. When you found your place, please stand for the reading of God's Word and remain standing for a time of prayer following. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the example we have in Rahab, Lord. I thank you for Ben. Lord, I just pray that you would speak mightily through him this morning. Lord, in the second part of this series, Lord, and that you would open hearts to receive this message, Lord, that you might reach someone for the kingdom of God. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being in God's house this morning. So I just want to take a quick moment. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Steve, if you'll stand for me just for a minute, buddy. This, was, uh, this morning was Steve's last service um, leading us as our worship pastor. And I just want to tell you, Steve, in front of this congregation, how much I appreciate you, buddy. How much I love you. Yes, sir. He didn't know I was going to do that, but I could not let this service go without us acknowledging that. Steve, you've led worship here for 11 years, is that right? 11 and a half years. So uh, he's been faithful. And uh, one thing that Pastor Dennis always said about Steve was how faithful he was and how he could count on him and how Steve was someone, Steve's not afraid of hard work. He's not afraid of, of going above and beyond. And I am so excited about what God is going to continue to do through you, Steve, here at Pole Creek. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about uh, our future. And that leads us to, to reiterate um, about what Chase said tonight in the fellowship hall from 4 to 6. We'll have our Q&A for our worship candidate. We're looking forward to that. Um, we also have handouts at our welcome centers that you guys can get a hold of that will give you a bio about uh, Daniel Byers, our candidate. You can learn a little bit more about him. Uh, you can see his job description. And uh, tonight you will get much, much more information. So I hope that you make special plans to be here as our church continues to move forward in kingdom ministry here in Candler, North Carolina. So I'm excited about the second part of this series today about Rahab. Uh, you think about Rahab, you think about her as maybe more of an obscure character in the Bible, not someone you could actually get one sermon out of, much less two. But there is so much about Rahab in the Bible. You know, as we ask our children, you know, who's your hero in Scripture? I think we need some people who will look up to Rahab. I think we need more people who would say, you know what, I'm just like Rahab. And you know what? I need the faith that Rahab had. So today, as we think about an unlikely legend, Rahab, we're going to talk about her legacy. Last week, we talked about her story, about how she came to a relationship with the true God of the Bible, about how God had redeemed her from an evil and a wicked city and saved her and her family. We talked about what the Bible says about her in the Old Testament last week. This week, we're going to talk about what God says about Rahab in the New Testament. So what was so well read earlier was in James, and it pointed to her faith, the faith that Rahab had. Now, when you think about your legacy, you really need to think 
deeply about what kind of a legacy you're going to leave. You know, throughout Scripture, we find that God's men and women left great legacies, some greater than others, but we all leave a legacy, whether it's good or whether it's bad. It's really the aftermath of what is behind us when we go on to eternity. What do we leave behind? That is our legacy. Have you ever asked yourself, what am I going to leave behind when God calls my number one day? When it's my last day on earth and I'm about to be called into eternity, what is my legacy? What am I going to leave behind for those I love and for those who remain behind me? There was an ancient Athenian statesman named Pericles, and he was born in 495 B.C. And this is what he said. What you leave behind is not what is engraved on stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. Have you ever asked, what will my legacy be when they roll my casket down the center of this church? You say, Ben, that's morbid. I don't like to think about that. Listen, death is a reality for humanity. Death is a reality that we must face. The Bible teaches that all have that appointed time. All will stand before the judgment of God one day. There is a particular day in the future that God already knows that will be the day that you die. And sometimes we think, well, you know, Ben, I like to think about the here and the now. I, I want to think about my life now. But you know what? As Christians, it doesn't have to be so morbid to think about the day that we die. As Christians, we have hope beyond death. As Christians, we have an eternity beyond death. And as Christians, we understand that the importance of our life in the here and now is what are we doing in the lives of other people that is pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I would hate to stand before God one day and say, yes, Lord, you saved me. Yes, Lord, I know you, but I never did anything for you. I just kind of rode on the, the coattails of other believers around me, but I never stepped out and actually made a difference for the gospel. I never took that step of faith and told my lost friends and my lost loved ones about you, Jesus. How a horrible, horrible day that would be if that was all we could bring to our king but how awesome would it be if that legacy that we left when our last day on this earth was that many, many souls came to know the Lord Jesus Christ because of your faithfulness. That at your funeral, person after person could stand up and say, yes, he, yes, she was faithful. They loved me enough to tell me about Jesus and I came to know him because of them. Wouldn't it be awesome if your funeral service ended up being a service of testimonies? about how people bragged on God and how God used you in their lives, that needs to be the legacy that we leave. We may leave it in people's lives, but we also leave children. We leave grandchildren. We leave children in our community here to carry the torch long after we're gone. That's why it's so important that we never compromise the word of God, but that we are willing to change our methods and our practices in order to continue to win children in the here and the now. So that one day we have people to hand this church to. So that a next 105 years, Pole Creek will be just as strong as it was in the first 105 years. I am so thankful that I'm able to look out and I'm able to see people of all different ages in this congregation. From birth all the way up to people in their 80s and in their 90s. Because God is raising up the next generation of believers. And we here at Pole Creek must be about leaving a legacy. A legacy that will live on forever. 
What kind of difference did you make? What kind of difference have you made? Ask that question today. Steve Saint, who was a pilot and author, said this, Your story is the greatest legacy that you will leave to your friends. It's the longest lasting legacy you will leave to your heirs. What did your life mean? What was the sum of the years of your life that you spent on this earth? Today we have a beautiful example of someone who finished well, and her name was Rahab. I remember preaching the funeral of my late grandmother, Joanne Johnson, my mom's mother. She grew up with an abusive father who was an alcoholic in a small town up in Ohio. She ended up meeting my grandpa because he traveled up there to do work and he was in construction. And that's where they met and eventually moved back to western North Carolina. But her legacy was indisputable. She loved her family with all her heart. One thing that you could always say about Joanne Johnson was that she truly loved her family. To this day, most of her children, her grandchildren, and great-grandchildren either know Christ or are being raised in a Christian home to one day know Christ. She only met two of her great-grandchildren. However, her legacy is going to affect the ones that she met and didn't meet for generations to come. And I'm sure all of you know someone like that in your family, someone that you look to and you say, I want my legacy to be like that. So there's two things that I want us to look at this morning about Rahab's legacy. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. She had a royal legacy. A royal legacy. Now, on the surface, face value, you're going to think she was a Gentile. She was a prostitute. She lived in a very evil city that did not stand, that was destroyed by God himself and the Jewish uh, army. But yet... She has a royal legacy. I don't know if any of you know much about the royal family in Great Britain, but we know that Queen Elizabeth is currently the queen there. And before she became queen, her dad was the king. And the way that he became the king was that his brother, King Edward, who was supposed to take the throne, abdicated the throne, which means he decided he did not want to be king and refused the crown. Well, King Edward was someone who that family wanted to shun because it came out later that King Edward was actually a Nazi sympathizer, that during World War II, as Hitler was building up his military and his empire, King Edward was getting very friendly with the Nazis. The royal family did everything in their power to cover that up, to hide it, because it was a legacy that they did not want to remember. It was like a black eye to their family. You know, honestly, I would have to say that every family has that one. Can, can, I, can you say amen there? That one person that you would like to, I would prefer they not be in my family. I'd prefer that people not know that I'm related to them. And here's the thing, if you can't think of one, you're probably that person. <laughs> so don't tell me if you can't think of someone, okay? But you're probably that person because literally every family has one. But Rahab got into this lineage, this family, this royal family that she wasn't actually ever supposed to be a part of. In Matthew chapter 1, if you'll go ahead and turn there, we're going to see how Rahab is in the royal lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. Now the beautiful thing about this lineage in the book of Matthew 
is that the lineage in Matthew is understood to be the ancestry of Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, Joseph the carpenter who raised Jesus here on earth. There's another lineage in Luke, and Luke is believed to be the lineage of Mary. But what's interesting about the lineage of Jesus, whether you go from Mary back or whether you go from Joseph back, they both end up at King David. That no matter which way you trace his lineage, whether it's through his birth mother Mary or whether it's through his adopted father, earthly father Joseph, they both end up back at King David. Remember the name that the Old Testament uses for the coming Messiah, Son of David? That's how beautiful the prophecy of God is, is that it's so perfect that no matter which way you trace it, it still ends up back at David. Here in the midst of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it begins in verse 2 of chapter 1, we see that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham, the father of Israel. But then we go on down to verse 5, and we realize in verse 5 that there was this man named Salmon. He was the father of Boaz. And who was Boaz's mother? Rahab. So you mean to tell me that a Gentile prostitute is literally one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, that's what I'm telling you this morning. And what we find here is that God's grace goes above and beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Because when you look at Father Abraham, you understand him to be the father of the Jews, a Jew of Jews, the, the, the one who really uh, indicates and signifies who a Jew is. The Jews in Jesus' day would say, I follow Abraham. Abraham is my father. I am a child of Abraham. And what they were saying was, I'm a Jew. I am, am blood related to Father Abraham. But here... In the midst of the genealogy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, God in the flesh, you find a Gentile woman who didn't have a drop of Jewish blood in her veins in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many scholars believe that this man, Salmon, who she was married to, was actually one of the spies who Joshua sent into Jericho to spy out the city. And many speculate that she formed a relationship with Salmon. And once the, Jew, the Jews saved her and her family out of Jericho before it was destroyed, that they in, eventually got married. Boaz, who was the son of Salmon and Rahab, was the, the husband of Ruth. Remember Ruth, who was a, a Moabitess. She was also a Gentile with a, not a drop of Jewish blood in her veins, also in the lineage and the ancestry of Jesus. We talked last week about the meaning of Rahab's name. Y'all remember that? Ra meaning a, an Egyptian god. That was the name of one of those Egyptian pagan gods. And then the second part of her name kind of pointed to a behavior of disrespectfulness, someone who was not um, revered in society, someone who maybe was below the threshold of the standard that everyone thought people should be. But did you know the name of Salmon, her husband, actually means clothed? Isn't that awesome that as she married into the family of Jesus and she became part of that royal legacy that would one day lead up to that precious child who was born in a manger, that the name of her husband meant clothed. Now you say, Ben, that's just a coincidence, right? No, 
That's not a coincidence. Because Rahab went from a, a naked, vile sinner in the eyes of God to someone who was saved by the grace of God. Someone who was naked and vile before the throne of God because of her sin. And as she accepted God and believed in the true God, the God of the Bible, God clothed her in his righteousness. She married in to that beautiful royal family that would one day produce the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. In the blood of Jesus, each one of us are clothed. Without the blood of Jesus, we are naked and vile before our holy God. Without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when God looks at us, he sees our sin. He sees our wickedness. You say, Ben, I'm not as bad as Rahab. I'm not a prostitute. Let me tell you something. You're as bad. You're a sinner. And your sin cries out against a holy God, and it is offensive to a holy God. But you know what the beauty of the blood is? That it clothes you. That it washes you. And when the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is applied to your soul, when he looks at you, he sees you clothed and righteous. He sees you holy. He sees you fitting and acceptable to enter into an eternal heaven. Guys, today when we see Rahab, you know what we see? Ourselves. We're looking in the mirror. We are vile, we are wicked, but yet made righteous in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 says this, beginning in verse 27. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Even though we weren't born Jewish, did you know that we get to partake in the promise that God made Abraham? When God told Abraham that he would bless his descendants, when he said that if those who bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be cursed, and I will bless the whole world through your seed, did you know that we are benefactors of that great promise? Because the one who blessed the whole world, the one who came through the seed of Abraham, down through the seed of Rahab, and through the seed of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem is the very one that died on the cross to save us from our sins. Today, we are benefactors of that great promise. We are co-heirs with Abraham. We are co-heirs with Rahab. We have received the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ who shed his blood for us on the cross. You say, Ben, I'm not born Jewish. Ben, I'm not part of that lineage. Let me tell you something today. The Bible says you are an heir of the promise. You are in the royal family today, just like Rahab is. Your father is the God of heaven today. Your brother is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that we are going to be co-heirs with one day in glory. We're going to be able to walk on those streets of gold, not because we earned it, not because we paid for it, but because Jesus paid for it, and because we are co-heirs with him. The riches that awaits Christ in the new heaven, the new earth, are the same riches that await me and you, the same riches that await Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho. Aren't you thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that you don't have to stand before God naked today, but you are clothed 
in his blood. Hey, you might be here this morning and say, Ben, I've never accepted Jesus. I've been playing with the idea. You know, I thought maybe that would be a good idea. But I've never actually took the step and accepted Jesus as my Savior. Today is your chance, by the way. The Bible says today is the accepted time. Now, today is the day of salvation. Do not forego your opportunity to be clothed. Do not forego your opportunity to be in the royal family of Jesus Christ like Rahab is today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know what? Today, as Christians, we have no excuses. We have no excuses not to be used by God. You look at this obscure woman from Jericho, one who was known as a prostitute, one who is confirmed to have been a prostitute even into the New Testament when she is mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And you see the legacy that she left. The legacy that goes beyond her life. The legacy that was the product of the birth of the Messiah. The legacy of faith that she left behind. Listen, today we have no excuse. You say, Ben, I'm not good enough. Ben, I've done too much wrong in my past to be used by God. I've done too much bad stuff in my life to leave a legacy like Rahab. Listen, God can save you to the uttermost. And I assure you that he will. And I can assure you that he can use you. All he needs you to do is be obedient and to be willing. If you're willing, our God can use anybody. Our God used a prostitute from Jericho. God used an old sinner like me. I promise you, God can use you and to leave that legacy that goes beyond your life. And the second thing that I want us to know about Rahab's legacy is this. So if you're taking notes, write this down. She not only left an, a royal legacy, but she left an honorable legacy. An honorable legacy. If you will, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look in verse 31. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 31. So Hebrews 11 is known as the great hall of faith. Right here is where you find the heroes of the faith. Now we know the ultimate hero is the Lord Jesus because every hero in Scripture is flawed in some way. But there were a few that stood out. There were a few that when their back was put into a corner, when their lives were on the line, when, the, when there was so much to risk and so much to put out there, these are the ones that said, I choose God. These are the ones that said, you know what? Even when it doesn't make sense, I am going to have faith that God is in control. That's what you find in Hebrews 11. And guess who is right there in the middle of this great chapter? There she is again, Rahab. Beginning in verse 31 of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says this. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. You know, many times we'll focus on someone's legacy as their children or those whom they've given birth to or the children they've raised or the grandchildren they've raised. But a legacy is so much more than that. There is even an element of your legacy that is spiritual. In other words, it's the effects that you've had on the world. Have you ever thought, would the world be any different if I wasn't ever born? You ever thought that? I believe that everyone is uniquely created. That the world certainly would be different if any of you were not here. But to ask that question, would the world be any better if I wasn't here? Would it be any worse if I wasn't here? Well, I can honestly say that the world is a better place today because of Rahab. Because she was here. Because God made her 
uniquely and beautifully because God used her so mightily. So many in positions of power, you think about this, they leave their legacies, right? You think about politicians, you think about judges, you think about all the people in power. You think about CEOs of tech companies and all these. You know, one person that was really heavily in the news not too long ago was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, you know, so many people applauded her and said, you know, she left such a wonderful legacy for women and a wonderful legacy for those who are aspiring scholars and, and want to be in law and all these other things. But when you look deeper at her legacy, it wasn't quite as grand as everyone thought. You know, she said to have advocated for women's rights, but yet she advocated for abortion. Now, here's the thing that I want you to hear about abortion. One out of every two abortions, every single time, one out of every two, is the death of a little woman. But yet she advocated for that. You know what I would say? Her legacy is not all that it was cracked up to be. You think about Bill Cosby, right? We think about Bill Cosby, you know, that fun-loving dad on the Cosby show. Um, You know, everybody wants to be a part of that family and kind of have a dad like that. But you know what? With his accusations of being a sex offender, his legacy is going to have a black eye forever. His legacy is not quite what it started out to be. Did you know that many of us have the opportunity to completely mess up our legacy today? Now, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect, but I am saying that there is an enemy out there crouching and waiting for you to give in. Hey, there might be some of you husbands out there that there's a little gal at work that's flirting with you and trying to pull you away from your wife. You need to get as far away from that as you can because, hey, Satan's wanting to ruin your legacy. Satan's wanting to ruin your children. He's wanting to ruin your family. Ladies, maybe your husband has been sitting on the couch way too much watching too much football And that fell at work listens to you. And he he listens to your problems. And he's willing to hear you out. He's willing to talk to you. And you're starting to feel some emotions for him. You better get away from it. You know what I always said? I always said, I'd rather be rude to a woman than to give her the wrong idea. I seriously would. I would rather hurt a woman's feelings than to risk my marriage. To risk her getting the wrong idea that I might be interested in her. Do you care that much about your marriage? You care that much about your legacy and about your children? What are you willing to do to protect your legacy? And that's one thing here at Pole Creek that as pastors, we do not meet with ladies alone. We just don't do that. And it's not because we uh, don't believe a woman is to the same standard as we are, but we don't want to give a place for someone else even to see that and then to make an accusation about us that we have trouble getting rid of. That's how important it is to protect your legacy. Don't leave room for that junk. I promise you, if you do, it's going to find you. Be vigilant. Be like Rahab. Have a legacy that's left, and when it's left, it is a legacy of integrity, a legacy of faith, a legacy of truth, a legacy of respect and honor. And I believe that that is the legacy that Rahab left. But you've got to be vigilant to protect that. You've got to be very vigilant. Sometimes you've got to put your emotions aside. Sometimes you've got to think with your skull. Get your feelings out of it every once in a while. Feelings, listen, your feeling, if you listen to your feelings, you're going to mess up. If you listen to your emotions, you're going to mess up because your emotions are just like this. They are so unstable. You've got to be logical every now and then. You've got to pull yourself out of the situation and look at it and say, what is the right thing to do here regardless of how I feel? What should I be doing? And I believe that God will help you protect your legacy if you do that. 
You know, one word that we could say, if you wanted to sum up Rahab's legacy, it's this, faith. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1, we find the definition of faith. Let's go back and read that really quick here. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this. Now, this isn't Hollywood's definition. This is God's definition. This is the definition that actually matters. This is what faith is. Hebrews 11, 1, the Bible says, Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Today, faith is based upon believing factual information. Listen, Jesus Christ indeed walked this earth. Jesus Christ indeed died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb for three days, and he did rise from the dead that third day. That is factual, historically accurate information, both verified in Scripture and outside of Scripture, by the way, by historians who are secular. Indeed, Jesus factually is God in the flesh. And our faith is this, that we believe the testimony of those facts. We believe that they truly did happen. That is faith. Did you hear the words used in Hebrews 11.1? 1? Now, faith is the reality. What is real? Reality is what is real. What has actually taken place? What has actually happened? That is reality of what is hoped for, the proof. Hey, did you know that you don't believe in a blind faith as a Christian? We believe true testimony, eyewitness testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, that's why if you know your Bible well enough, there's no one who can disprove what you have to say. That's why it's so important for Christians to learn the word of God. You say, I don't want to talk to an atheist, man. They've got science backing them up. No, they don't. Listen, science to them is theory. Evolution is science to them. Listen, evolution has never been proven. It can't be proven. And, and, and there's so much more I could get into, and Chase knows this too. There's so much more that we could get into about how Christianity makes sense. It's logical. It's factual. It's historically accurate. That's faith. Hey, Rahab, you know what? She believed the factual eyewitness testimony that she heard that the God of the Hebrews had dried up the Red Sea. She believed that the God of the Hebrews was defeating all of the enemies of the Hebrews. Based upon her belief in that factual, that factual testimony, it says that God accounted that to her as righteous. She believed in the true God of the Bible and who he was, and God saved her for that. She made it into Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, because she believed God. She trusted him. It's kind of like that chair example that we always say. I can talk about a chair holding me up all day, but until I sit in it and before I put my weight in it, I'm not actually trusting that chair. She put her weight into this God. She put the lives of her family on the line because she believed he was who he said he was. She believed he truly did what they said that he did. Today, that's faith, my friends. And today, Rahab was a woman of faith. It's time that we as Christians stop walking around like a bunch of whipped puppies and we walk around like we've got some good news. We walk around because we know that we know that we know 
the God of the Bible is the true God. We know that we know that we know that he became flesh and he dwelt among men. He died and he rose again for the sins of the world and that you can be saved by trusting in him. Today we have that good news and we ought to act like it. We ought to live like it. And if we do, then I promise you, you're going to leave an honorable legacy. You're going to leave a legacy that is marked by faith and trust in the one and the true God. So today, as we think about that, as we think about Rahab and this beautiful legacy that she left, I want to ask you this. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? Are you willing to make the hard decisions? Are you willing to vigilantly protect your legacy, protect your family, protect those around you, protect your loved ones? Are you willing to step out on faith and trust God to tell people who may not want to hear about the Lord Jesus? Last Wednesday, we got to go out and share the gospel in our evangelism explosion class. We went across the street here to this trailer park, Meadow Lark Acres, I believe is the name. Is that right, Steve? We got to visit several people and share the gospel with them. And I'm telling you guys, people say, oh, Ben, knocking on doors don't, doesn't work anymore. Hey, those people over there were opening their doors left and right for us, wanting to talk to us. We were able to share the gospel. Now, I don't believe anyone got saved that day, but there's a dying community around us who needs to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what? Pole Creek, we're right here. We're right here in this geographical location. There's people that God is putting all around us in our community, and he's asking us, what are we going to do about it? What kind of legacy are we going to leave to our children? What kind of legacy, what kind of mark are we going to make in our community? Hey, if the Pole Creek Baptist Church wasn't here, would this community be any better? Be we any worse? Those are questions that we need to ask. Let's pray to this morning. Let's pray.